Welcome to Virtually Amazing, the podcast for virtual assistants with me, Shelley Fischel of Tomorrow's VA and Joe Brianti of JLB Support Solutions. In each episode, we'll chat about what we're up to and bring you fantastic interviews with guest experts, as well as our app of the month and top tips, all aimed at helping you to grow your VA business. So grab a cuppa, sit back and join us for a fun-filled hour. Welcome listeners to episode 27 of Virtually Amazing, the podcast for virtual assistants. And Joe and I are thrilled to be back again this week and we are going to be chatting to a lovely guest in just a few minutes. Our guest this week is Lucy Mesartis. I hope I've, I've pronounced that correctly. I will ask her in a minute. And we're going to be chatting about how Lucy became a VA and what her superpowers are. And I'm reliably informed that her superpowers are diary management and multiple time zone management, which kind of does my head in because I'm in a different time zone to Joe. <laughs> and Joe and I are often confused about what time we're supposed to be getting together to record the podcast, aren't we, Joe? Yes, yes. And uh, we, we have had moments where there's been a quick message is it 10 o'clock or is it 12 o'clock? Is that appointment your time or my time? You know, maybe we just need some help from Lucy. Maybe we do. But, uh, but we're going to find out how Lucy manages lots of calendars and diaries in a little minute. And um, I know, Joe, you've, uh, I know this episode is going out in November, but we are recording it in August. We are so fortunate, aren't we, Joe, that we have so many wonderful guests um, who've agreed to be interviewed. And we are into doing our actual interviews in batches because that makes it much more efficient. Um, and we're both about being efficient aren't we absolutely yeah and it's um it, it's great then that you you get into the zone and you um can bring in a whole bunch of different people and just enjoy some time with them and then process it and release it later yeah it, it's it's proving we've we've found this is the most efficient way of of recording our guest interviews and We've recently, bearing in mind that this is August, had some lovely comments uh, on LinkedIn. I've been having people sharing the podcast and tagging me and saying how much they're enjoying listening to it and how many tips they're gleaning from it, which is phenomenal. And, and we're really, really grateful to you listeners. And if you are listening to it and you enjoy it, do hop over onto any of the podcast platforms and give us a rating because that helps too. But I think um, it's enough... No, it's not. I, I want to ask you, Joe. I know you've just been on holiday, haven't you? Yes. Have you had, did you have a refreshing time? It was absolutely wonderful. We visited an area of the countryside that I have never been to before. Um, and we did some walking in the Yorkshire Dales. <laughs> I um, know the Yorkshire Dales. It, it was absolutely gorgeous. We did go into the Lake District as well. Where we stayed, we were kind of on the cusp of, of both areas. Um, but I'd never ever been into the Yorkshire Dales and we drove the route that the Tour de Yorkshire and the Tour de France um, go. And I drove a 25% gradient hill, got to the top and thought, people actually cycle up there. That was extraordinary. And the bit, it was just breathtaking. You come up over the top of this hill 
and all of a sudden you've got the most incredible view it was stunning absolutely stunning um and it was nice it you know lots of people there but it's lots and lots of uh, um space and fresh air and social distancing which you know we're all still finding a, an important element of our lives so it, it was great to be away great to have some fresh air um come back refreshed revitalized and um raring to go that's excellent well i've been really busy while you've been away i've been recording sessions right left and center in fact um all of the recordings that i've been doing for the conferences i'm going to be speaking at will have gone out by the time this episode airs so i'm not going to talk about them because they're now in the past and uh, but it's been great fun and very very busy which has kept me sane to be quite honest and uh and that's been great so i think it's time now to uh, to to queue up our interview with lucy see you in a moment Ooh. welcome lucy to today's episode and how do, first of all, I, I need to check how you pronounce your surname. So, because I think I've mispronounced it in the introduction that we recorded a few minutes ago. Is it Mesaritis, Mesaritis or Mesartis? It's actually the second one. Not many people guess it right at all. So it's Mesaritis. 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 My husband is um, half Greek Cypriot, so that's where it comes from. Ah. Um, a London boy, but he his dad was full Greek Cypriot. So yeah, so it's um it's a tongue twister. If I had a pound for every time I had to spell it, especially phonetically, I would never have to work again. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, my surname is Fischl. And it's spelt F for Freddie. I'm spelling it out because this is how I have to spell it. F for Freddie, I for India, S for Sierra, H for Hotel, E for Echo, L for, I say lucky, but, you know, I just feel I'm lucky. So I use L for lucky. Um, but the number of times that even though I spell it out phonetically like that, people put a C in it yeah. or a Z. Usually it's a C because I think it's, or they make it Fisher with an R on the end. So I, I get where you're coming from with the, the name misspelling. So uh, don't yeah, you get well, that. Yeah, I mean, and my, my maiden name was Nixon, which is where my um, company name comes from. Um, and even that's, you know, I mean, considering there's a president, there is a watch brand, people still spell that wrong, you know, N-I-C-K-S-O-N, it's just insane. So, so yeah, so either way, I was never gonna have an easy way of spelling my last name, but Mesoresis has got that slightly more exotic feel, I think. Yeah, very, very <laughs> exotic. So Lucy, tell us a bit about yourself, about what you did before you were a VA, how you made the jump, the leap to becoming a VA, what drives you, what, what were your reasons? Because what we're loving about the podcast is hearing from so many different people and finding out all about their different ways into the profession i'm not going to use the j word but their ways to um becoming a va and, uh, and what they love about it mm, okay well um so i started off um i won't go too far back because it's slightly irrelevant but i i started um moving in towards more of a um support um career when i was working in advertising um and design and sort of moved into the PA role, um, tried my hand at project management, realized that I liked being a person that organized a 
the busy diary rather than have the busy diary. So I kind of moved down that um, line of career, um, worked at um, a design agency for some of the XCOM, which, you know, the MD, um, all the high ranking guys there, um, and just felt like I was getting to a point where I was kind of being the office manager, but without the title, um, loving doing the PA work, but not really getting, you know, I don't like to think of myself as cash motivated, but I think most people would be lying if they say they weren't to a point. Mm, yes. And, you know, started thinking about my next move. So I went for a practice, you know, the practice interview for something called a management consultancy firm never heard of McKinsey went along for a practice interview suddenly was sort of four or five stages down the line having met um, a wonderful lady called Vicky Dudell which you guys may well know she's now a VA Um, and you know ended up working for senior partners you know directors and stuff at McKinsey for seven and a half years and then just found myself I'm a Cornish girl so I grew up in the countryside you know, beaches were my, you know, I like seeing a proper mm. horizon. I like seeing the sea, getting on the beach, some between the toes. And I spent 14 years in London, which was the worst place in the world when I was 18. I'd never live in London. It's full of rude people. and Everyone tucks when they walk too slowly. And, and I found myself being that person. Yeah. I was getting cross with, I was getting cross with people walking too slowly and people standing on my spot by the tube. Um, yeah. You know, London has its pros. You know, obviously I met my husband in London. So, you know, there are definitely good things about it. But we had, you know, we had our daughter and she was doing a longer day than us. She was starting at eight. And, you know, we were running to get from school to the tube station so we could get into work on time. And then literally throwing the, you know, laptop down at five to run back to Brixton to pick up Poppy in time for, you know, it was just insane. So we said, actually, there must be an easy way of doing this. Um, and you know full respect for people who bring up children in London absolutely amazing but it just wasn't for us so Mm. we uh, made decision to move west Um, Bristol was a good halfway point between my family in Cornwall and Hav's family and friend and our friends in London Um, and you know McKinsey has a very lovely um, price bracket on its support staff role which you're not going to get outside of really McKinsey let alone London Um, so it was kind of decided that actually in order for Poppy to have a normal life and a mum who wasn't running around all over the place, I would try my hand at VAing. So I got in touch with Vicky Dudell who inter- interviewed me at McKinsey because um, she had started up as a VA and she said, Oh yes, right. This is what you need to do. You need, this is a group that you should get involved in, you know, introduce me to VIP VA. Um, and yeah. And I kind of just sort of dipped my toe into it. And then suddenly got my first client and then you know that was four years ago so it was it worked well i didn't really know much about VAing until vicky told me about it and then here i am being oh. interviewed for a virtually amazing podcast virtual yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic and and um i think we're seeing quite a lot of of um similar things a lot not everybody but quite a number of people move because they want a better lifestyle and a better, you know, to be present for their kids and not putting their children in nursery from eight till six. Um, I remember back in the uh, 80s when my daughter was little, uh, was a baby, I went back to work for three months full time. I worked for a building society Mm -hmm. and I would drop her at the childminder at 
um, eight o'clock in the morning and I had to be an hour away, well, in the traffic for nine. I had to get there for nine. So I dropped her off at eight and I'd get back about six and she was going to bed at 6.30 because she was a, a baby baby. And then she didn't sleep at night. So I was really frazzled. Um, so I left uh, and then I didn't work for a long time. But, um, but I, I, I totally get that. And you had something similar as well, didn't you, Joe? Yes, I, I went back to work with 18-month-old um, twins in nursery um, who, how can we put this? Let's just say had challenging sleep patterns. Um, and yes, I, there was a couple of times where the nursery rang me and I'd fallen asleep on the tube and completely missed my um, stop and, you know, had had to sort of pay the excess because I had to get off the tube, get on the other platform and come back um, several steps to, to pick them up. And, you know, it's it's just really, really challenging um, when you are working with, with small children. And I think the world of a VA offers us the opportunity to still exercise our brain do all that working kind of stuff that we love um but not have those moments where you are so tired you're falling asleep on the tube on the way home and missing your stop or whatever that scenario is in your family you know um so it's the best of both worlds yeah it is, it is. i the amount of times i get stopped i think it's funny because i'm i am now the, I'm always at the school gates well when Poppy allows me to be you know she's now 10 and very sophisticated but yes. um, you know, I, <laughs> I, I'm the mum at the school gates dropping her off in the morning and picking her up in the afternoon and people yeah. say do you work I'm like well yeah I run my own business and they there's lots of people that get it I think there's lots of I think the world has woken up to this um, virtual working and you can work from home and even if it's a 10 minute break to run to the school gates pick your kid up and then run back to your laptop you can do that but there are still a lot of people that are just like, really, you work? It's like, well, and there's, an, I, don't get me wrong, you know, uh, being a housewife is a, is a job. Being yes. a single mum is a job. All these yeah. things are a job. Whether you get paid for it or not, it's still a job. But I knew that I needed to do something. I'm, I am a, such a lazy person by nature that if I don't have the motivation to keep myself going during the day. I'm not one of these pe people that's going to do a six hour gym workout. You know, if I was furloughed, oh my word, I just watch TV and eat crisps. That would be it. <laughs> so I would never find that, you know, I would ne I need to give myself a purpose during the day. And I, you know, I mean, it's, it's quite sad to admit, but I enjoy diary management. I enjoy looking after people. I enjoy being right hand woman to people that I look after. And that, you know, from nine thirty till three, five days a week, you know, I get to do that and put on the Lucy hat rather than the mum hat or the wife hat. So it's worked really well. And I'm, I'm very blessed for that. And I should touch lots of wood because, you know, it's all going okay. But it's, yes, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice way to be able to balance the life work balance. Yeah. Um, yes, I'm very grateful for finding out about being in the first place. <laughs> that, that ties in really, really nicely with, with um, something that I was going to say, um, Shelley, Lucy and I were recently on this workshop together and um, we were talking about our plans for the rest of the day at the end of this session and Lucy said, oh, I'm off to um, 
look at five diaries and I've got appointments to put in across three or four time zones. And there were the other four ladies on the call just kind of went, oh, <laughs> and we were all like, oh. and, and Lucy was so confident about diary management and um, how you could juggle across time zones. Um, so what are your tips, Lucy? How do you do it? How do you get excited by lots of diaries? I honestly think I need to have my brain read, to be completely <laughs> honest with you. I, I realise it's a niche. I realise it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I just, I don't know. I'm, I don't know what it is. My tips for anyone. So diary management is definitely an art. Not everyone can do it. Not everyone should do it. I think yeah. that, that's very very important to stress um and it's okay to not be good at it as well i mean i joe i what you do brings me out in hives just the idea <laughs> of being that important in someone's business that you're doing the ticky thing ah, i would break everything it would all end up smoking and there'll be cogs flying out um but yes diary management is an art absolutely i would say oh what a good tips coloring is quite good and not in a crayon way um, in so in Outlook for example you can set um, colors for categories so if a client of yours has you know a team you can color all the team calls as a certain color so you know that those are internal calls and they can be moved if necessary um, if they've got a peak of fee paying or a fee earning call, make that red so that you know whatever happens, that cannot move. Um, the most important thing that I find with anyone, and this is, you know, I learned this very early on and it carries on now, and I think this is probably explaining how to suck an egg, um, is that you just have a conversation with a person that you're managing the diary of and just say, right, what are your preferences? Someone says, you know, I've got one client, he doesn't like to work in the afternoons, he doesn't like to work on a Friday. Great, I know my parameters immediately that from 12.30 onwards, I don't put anything in, Fridays keep clear. You know, he likes to have, a, you know, book an hour for a phone call, assume it's only gonna be 45 minutes and I need half an hour afterwards, but if you're gonna put another call in afterwards. So that I know exactly what to schedule and when. Um, other people like bunching all their calls together, you know, so you just have that conversation, have those um, discussions around preference and the expectation. And, you know, and if someone doesn't know how to run their diary, go in with ideas of someone that you've worked with before who's it's just worked really well. You know, I had one um, client who she would block. Well, actually, no, it wasn't even a client. It was someone that I used to work for when I was gainfully employed. And she would like to have one day a week. And it didn't matter what day, but it was completely blocked out. That's just for thinking time. Yeah. And it was a bit, it worked well as long as she then didn't offer that day to someone going, oh, yes, I can do that client meeting. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but I've now got to clear out a day somewhere else in the week. For you. So, you know, and it's, it's just having Ooh. conversations and working on the relationship so that, they the person you're managing the diary of knows to let you run it properly and own it i think that is a key is to make sure that you have ownership because yeah. if you've got someone who kind of needs a diary manager but they put stuff in and you put stuff in it's very hard if they're busy it's very hard to then 
keep control of it because you will end up with a clash and it will end up being a nightmare and it will yeah. just after you finished and then it will all go wrong um but yeah i think the main thing and i think this is with any kind of support role is just to build a conversation with the person that you're working with otherwise it's very hard you, no one's a psychic and you shouldn't be expected to be a psychic nor should you expect your client to be able to just sort of let you have complete trust you know they can't give you trust in the diary if they don't know what they're giving you to do yeah, yeah. totally totally and um so you mentioned there about about outlook so so i'm i'm just intrigued because i mean obviously i teach outlook and i teach yeah. diary diary skills and things like that so do you have an email address or an account at each of your clients so that you for example you would access their Outlook calendar on the web, for example, and not in your own copy of Outlook? Or do you bring everything into your own copy of Outlook? Oh my goodness, no. <laughs> I have, out, so my own, my own business email is Gmail. Everyone else I work with are on Outlook. And that works quite well for me because it means that I know I can completely compartmentalize my own emails from my client. Yeah. <clears throat> then what I do I've got so I've got one two three three clients who use I use on the Outlook desktop app and within that they're all separated into their own client box so I have to go into my you know client a inbox and that's all my emails and their client b blah 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 I have one other client who I work with um, as an associate and it's a very busy you know, it's a proper virtual EA role. You know, I'm, I'm really right-hand womany on that one. And I use their email in a browser. So that it's a completely different look and feel. It's in one place. I actually, I, I was always very scathing of the online Outlook um, system, but actually I quite like it. Yeah. Um, and it just, it just makes me put my client D hat on because I'm yeah. looking at it on a different interface because... You know, I don't do anything different for that client, but it's a lot more involved. So it just triggers something in my brain to be like, right, I need to think completely about that person and think about, you know, I, I do a lot of um, business development for, for them and all kinds of stuff. So it just, it changes my mindset. Whereas the other guys, I still do the same stuff, but it's, I've done that with them for a lot longer and I don't need to think so much about, you know, it's a big company and they're a co-founder of it. So it's just, it's a different mindset yeah. um, and it works well. I quite, I, you know, I never before, before being a VA, I had never seen Outlook at all. I was always Lotus Notes and I probably am one of the only people in the world who misses Lotus Notes. <gasps> I used to teach Lotus Notes. Oh, oh my goodness. You so missed much. Lotus Notes. Yes. Never oh, missed it. Domino server, my word. Oh. I never thought I'd hear anybody say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you miss, I don't, you don't know what you don't know. So I just worked off Lotus Notes my entire career. Never seen Outlook, so I didn't know any better. So yes. for me, Outlook was the was the enemy, and Lotus Notes was my, <laughs> my comfort blanket. But I do. There are certain things in Lotus Notes that you can't do on Outlook, and I miss them. And I can't think of any right now. But I just every now and again, I just think, oh, that would be really handy. Uh, and then the, the the one thing that crops up when I've I've done a few rollouts when I had the face to face company, and mm. um, I did quite a few things of moving people from Lotus Notes to Outlook. 
Yeah. And I also did, uh, we actually, I actually learned Lotus Notes in order to teach it to somebody that were moving from Outlook to Lotus Notes. Mm -hmm. And that company about two years later moved back to Outlook. So <laughs> the one request that I got all the time was there's no all male view in Outlook. Yeah. So in Lotus Notes, you can click on all mail and it shows you everything, no matter where it's stored. Mm. Well, you can actually create that in Outlook with a smart folder ah. and uh, a search folder. On, on the desktop, it's a search folder. On Mac, it's called a smart folder. Okay. And um, I'm not sure if there's a blog on my site showing it, but you definitely, if you can create a smart folder or search folder and you just search all mail and you don't put any criteria in and you mm -hmm. put yeah, mail and then you get all your email and it, it's a virtual folder so nothing is actually stored there it's yeah. a view so it brings no matter where your email is whether it's deleted or sent or client a b or c you mm -hmm. see it all in that folder uh -huh. and um, they yeah search folders are fantastic Yes. If you're on a Mac, you can create them. You do a search and then you save the search and it becomes a smart folder. Okay. So, there you go. Top, top Outlook tip. Now, the, re the reason I asked the question, Lucy, was you talked about using the color coding or categorizing. Yeah. So how do you deal with the categories when you've got three different accounts in Outlook on the desktop and you've only got one set of category colors? Do you make sure that e all of the clients use the same colors to mean the same things? No, no. I am slightly chaotic in that each of so I ask my clients to set up their categories that I then access. I can't so in client A's calendar, she has team um liaising as orange, for example. In client B's calendar, he has them as green. And I just I it's maybe it's the kind of slightly rain man thing in me, but I just know what it, I've worked with these people for three years. So I kind of just know I feel terrible. You know, once I have to get an associate to look after things so that I tick the IR 35 box, I feel sorry for them <laughs> having to navigate my weird little ways, but the, the, it's it, because it has, the categories have to be created on the client's end. Yeah it has to go with their preference. You know, I can't, yeah. um, it would be wrong for me to say, oh, well, my other client uses orange for their team liaison. So can you use orange as well? Because, you know, they should never feel like they have to comply with each other. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it, that's just not how I like to run business. I mean, you know, if they ask how my business is going, I will tell them, but I don't say, oh, sorry, I've got to run onto another client call with someone else. Cause I don't want them to feel like they're not important. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so yeah, so I just I just have to remember that you know for client C, team liaison is green and client A is orange, but it's okay, and it just you know it just means that my day is very colourful. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good thing. I like I like colour. I love bright colours. I love yeah, bright colours. So that that's great. Do you work, um, Joe? You mentioned that you, Lucy told you she was working with lots of time zones. So Lucy, how do you deal with time zones? So my favorite um, app is a thing called Time and Date. Well, I just, I can't remember what the actual name of it is. I should look it up. I'll bring it up on my uh, favorites list so I can tell you. It is a website called um, worldtimebuddy.com. Ah, worldtimebuddy, yeah. And it's brilliant. <laughs> Excuse me, the free version, you're allowed to list four different cities. 
and it just has this brilliant slight Melbourne, Reykjavik, don't ask, and Auckland. And I know that 5 a.m. is 2 p.m. in Melbourne, 4 a.m. in Reykjavik, and 4 wow. p.m. in New Zealand. And you can go for a date. So if you, so there are times, it, you know, because of course the world isn't easy when time zones change. And mm. so, you know, one of the one of many reasons why America is quite a strange place to deal with is that they don't change their time at the same time as Europe. So right. there is a week when New York is only four hours behind us rather than five. So you can go onto the worldtimebuddy.com website and you can click onto the date that you're actually looking at just to make sure there's wow. no anomalies. And it's, it's very, it's really, it's just knowing the tricks. It's yeah. there's nothing clever around any of this. It's just either knowing the tricks or knowing what website to use. Yeah. Um, and I use, I, in Outlook, um, this was something that was very good in Lotus Notes, and I think Outlook have picked up on it now, is the ability to, you can change the time zone in an invite. So you can put in, you know, if, if I know the client A is going to be in Israel, I can go in, find Tel Aviv, and put the, t you know, I know that they're going to be meeting at four o'clock in the afternoon in Tel Aviv, so I go in four o'clock, change the time zone itself to Tel Aviv, and yeah. it will go into the diary when they're in the UK at the UK time, but when they go to Tel Aviv, it will translate to the time zone they're in. So that I know mm. not to, you know, if they've got a four o'clock in Tel Aviv, but they've also got another phone call in the UK, I just know to not schedule it over that time. It just, it yes. does, it's, I'm making it very complicated, but it is, it's not that tricky. Yeah, the little world icon turns on the time zones in yeah. the meeting invite. I have mine on, on all the time yeah. um, because it means that whatever time zone you book the appointment in, then the re it will go at the correct time in the recipient's diary. Exactly. So that, that's the reasoning behind it. But the other thing you can do is on your Outlook calendar, you can display up to three time zones. Hmm. So down the left-hand side, if you go into, into file and options, and then the calendar, you can see, you can add three time zones. So you could have UK. So I have a daughter in New York, uh, a son in the UK, and, and we live here, and we have a son here. So I can show New York, London, and Jerusalem time next to each other, and it kind of opens in a little pane on the left-hand side. And it just shows you, you can see, like yeah. your, your app shows you. But you are only restricted to three. Yeah, so. but it's, it's really handy. I mean, I've got one of, one of my clients, she, um, she often, so we've, they've got um, offices around the world. And she'll go out and just check in with different clients, and, with different offices, and just make sure the team's okay there. So if I know she's going to be in Melbourne for the week, I just change over... Uh, because she's in Melbourne, she's not going to take any phone calls while she's, you know, from the UK. Right. It's a completely different time zone. So I just change it to the Australia. So I just can, I'm thinking for, on her wavelength rather than trying to translate it. It just makes it so much easier. Yeah. Um, yes, that's a really handy um, little widget having that one because it's yeah. 
Well, that is really cool. And of course, your, your laptop, if you're setting your date and time settings on your laptop automatically and you're not changing them manually, then when you go to another time zone, it will pick up the correct time for you anyway. Mm-hmm. So everything will then synchronize up really well. And what I, what I also do, just because this is something that was um, forced, I don't quite, there was a, I think it was an issue with syncing on a BlackBerry, back when people had Blackberries, was that I generally also, just for belts and braces, certainly for one of my, um, he's a um, NED, non-exec direct um, client, he's so used to having, you know, VC or call, and then the time in 24-hour clock with the time zone abbreviation in the subject. So whatever happens, he yeah. knows that a phone call is at 10 a.m., central european time so that if for any reason it gets moved or his diary doesn't sync he can see on the subject when that call is meant to be in the time zone that he's going to be in oh wow so it just it's an extra level of safety especially especially when someone doesn't necessarily sync you know all it takes is one bad sync on your phone and yeah. it all be wrong. So, so I tend to do that as well, just as an extra level. Some people hate that. They're like, oh, for goodness sake, it's just too much information. But I'm like, well, I always go with, and <laughs> the hand overnights I've written for the next 10 days that I've been away for one of my clients, they will testify to the, uh, I always believe that more information is more important. It's better than less. You know, yeah. the thud when my hand overnights landed in her inbox, I feel very sorry. But, um, you know, diary management, there is no such thing as too little information. It's just, yeah. you know, yeah. just coming out. Yeah. That is a really, really useful tip to put something like that in the subject line. And I would never have thought of that. Yeah. I use the location um, line um, where it's taking place as a place for extra information as well on a meeting invite. So I'm working on a global project. Um, I had to go to LA, Toronto, Moscow, London. That's where I went. So um, I would have the office that I was going to or the location, the country, would be using the location field. So that's another another way of doing that. If you don't need to put an actual location in. Because mm. so, we didn't have the addresses when it was all being booked, but at least you know which country you had to be in. Absolutely. <laughs> that project that was back in 2011 that's the only one i've done that's been so all the other international projects i've done have been virtual which is much much easier to manage well when when i i haven't really so much done it since being a va but i used to work for when well mckinsey it's renowned for people just constantly taking up the entire business class flight of you know any ba flight and there would be, you know, a three-week trip going all around the world. And I use the um, all-day function yeah. just for, you know, New York for the week, five hours behind, and then San Francisco brackets, eight hours behind. And just so that we can see as a very top line, almost like a Gantt chart, like yeah. that's where they're going to be on those days. And you can have the crossover day of the flight details, you know. Yeah. And that's something I find really useful for me is putting in flight times as per the um booking so you know if you're leaving london heathrow terminal four i would put lhrt4 brackets 1310 and then jfk 
terminal E or whatever yeah. at the time that they arrive and then change the time zone to the actual time they arrive so that you can see the real time block in the diary yeah. and all the details are in there so that, you know, client A is looking at his diary going, I don't even know which terminal. It's like, well, it's all in there, including your booking reference, you know, your seat number if you've allocated it beforehand. Yeah. You can, what's great is Outlook can now allow you to attach documents so you can attach their e-ticket to it. Yeah. You know, you can throw all the information into the diary as long as they don't then delete it <laughs> as good as within your inbox because you can add all the useful information. It's all in one place. It's all there and it pings up at the time, you know, if they want a two hour re reminder, you can set the reminder at two hours beforehand. It all comes up so they can go oh, brilliant, you know. So yes. Oh, I'm geeking out on diary management. Oh, it sounds fabulous. <laughs> one, of the new, one of the newer features that I really like, actually, that uh, I booked some flights myself yesterday. Mm -hmm. uh, I've just booked to deliver two sessions at the PA show in February in London. Ooh. So I need to come to London for that. Uh, so yesterday I booked my ticket to London. And when you get on EasyJet, and when you get the booking response from EasyJet, it goes straight in your calendar. Brilliant. And that's really cool because the whole, the tickets, everything's there, um, yeah. you know, with the reference and the time and everything. So I, I love that. They, they only brought that in. I don't know. Time blurs, doesn't it? When yeah, that is within the last year or so, it may be two years, but it may only be a year. Um, but, but flights will be added to your Outlook calendar, which is really nice. So uh, I use the um, the all day feature that Lucy was mentioning. Um, all of the, the children's school holidays uh, are, are blocked out on the all day feature so that I've got a little line. So I know in half term is when they break for Christmas, when they start school again or, you know, uh, those kinds of things and that is really helpful when you can block days out for the dreaded uniform and school shop shoe shopping and all of those kinds of things because my diary has sort of several layers there's my diary and my clients stuff that I'm doing for them um, and then there's the, the boys diary that sort of overlays the top of that because everything I do for myself and my business runs around their activities you know and I can predict then that there's a week where I can't chuck in as much as I would like mm. as I could the previous week because it's half term and, and and there's all those kinds of things so that's I find that a really really useful feature the all day yeah thing yeah so do you only do diary management Lucy because you mentioned you look after people um, mm. is it just their diaries or do you do anything else for them um so my my role for all my clients is predominantly diary management um but with that i mean so for one of my clients um i do um customer service for them as well they have a online shop um which sounds like it's more <laughs> than an online shop it's you know they are do dominating the market on what they do um but i help with their premium um, customer support so for anyone who buys one of their premium products I get in touch and I'm kind of their point of contact so that I can help them with any questions they've got about their product um, you know check in with them every six months to make sure that they're happy you know just have keep the conversation going because I think once you a certain price point you kind of expect a bit more yeah. mm -hmm. um, and yes and they 
my client decided that I was um, suitable for that task. So I was very honoured that they thought that my waffling was welcome with the highest paying um, customers. So I do some of that for them. I also, um, I love a messy CRM system. I absolutely love it because it means I get to tidy. So I do lots of CRMing um, and just keeping things in check. Um, I do... What else do I, I feel like I do more than maybe I realize, but I just, I'm just that person that scoops up the stuff that they don't have time to do. And if that's sorting out, you know, one of my clients, they, they are, um, they they work in the media realm um and go to all the you know the party conferences for all the different political parties so i will if no one else can do it i help organize the part you know the media press passes for them or you know i will help find a venue for uh, an event or liaise with catering to make sure that that's all sorted out so you know it's more it's easier to say i don't do finance than it is yeah. to i do do yeah um, i i don't, I absolutely don't do finance. I, I don't want to be AML registered. Yeah. Um, the idea of being in charge of someone else's finances actually makes me slightly sweat. Um, there are so many people out there who are better at it than me, who enjoy it more than me and who are more qualified than I will ever be. So there's absolutely no point me pretending to even want to do it. So when I, when I pitch for a piece of new business, you know, I kind of say, well, look, all the best, the worst I can say is no, sorry, I can't, or I don't know how to. However, do not ask me to do finance because it's a flat no. And I quite like the empowerment that that gives me because, you know, yes, as a, as a service provider, I think there is a level of um, sub, not servitude to making their life easier. That's what I like doing. I enjoy helping others. But I also like the empowerment of saying I don't do that because I think when you're yeah. employed, you don't have as much power to say no. But now you're a business owner, you have the, you have the, the ability to define what you're you know what your business is and my business does not involve other people's finance so yeah, yeah I, I, th I think that's i think that's that's a really good point and i think for any vas who are listening who are starting out and feel that they have to offer every service to every client i think that's a very empowering thought yeah it, you might feel like that at the beginning but you have to work out where your strengths are and you have to offer what your strengths are because there's no, no point doing your client a disservice by doing something that you're not very good at. Absolutely. And, and clients, you know, if you have um, people pick up, you know, people can smell, I won't use the term because it's, this is a professional podcast, but people can, people can sniff out falsehoods yeah. very quickly. And I think it's okay to say no. I think, you know, there's, I think a lot of, I would imagine a lot of people moving into the VA world come from employment, come from, you know, being that person outside their boss's office. Oh, could you go make me a cup of tea? Can you just print this out? Can you just, can you just, can you just, and your job is to say yes. Mm. Most of the time yeah. you'll say, obviously there are things that you should never say yes to, but that's for a different podcast. <laughs> but, you know, most of the time what they ask you to do part of your contract is to support that person if that is what they need you to support then that's what you do but when you go into so to try and change that mindset it's the employee mindset right it's that you know you are allowed to say no you are allowed to create your business model around what you like doing i've got a um 
I call it Learn With Lucy. It's a ongoing joke from many years ago. I've written a Learn With Lucy How To Be A VA. And it's, it's nothing like the How To Be A VA books that are out there that are way more clever and well-written and brilliant than anything I could do. But if someone says to me, oh, how did you get into it? I've got a PDF. It's 27 pages of waffle. But I send it to them. And in there, it says how to find your offering. And you base it. This is the way I do it. You write down everything you know you can do. Yeah. And you work out what you like doing. Yeah. Work out the stuff you definitely don't like doing. And that's your business offering. It's really yeah. that simple. Yeah. Absolutely. I 100% agree. Um, and, and that's what makes the world of VA so exciting because, you know, if you do offer a full service to a client, for example, I would never do diary management, but I might say I can look after Mr. Client. I'll do it the tech. Lucy, can you do the diary element of it? And you can work as a team then to deliver the full range of services. Yeah. Um, for a client that, that you know if a client suddenly wants something a bit left field that you don't do you just that there is always a VA out there that you can bring on board to, to just do that task and you know build a relationship for them with your client as a support yeah absolutely I mean in my in my LinkedIn blurb at the bottom of it it says you know nine times I something along the lines of nine times out of ten if there's something you need me to do I can do it if I don't I know someone who can yeah, yeah. And, you know I think that it's what the VA world has you know in the four years I've been part of it it's blown me away I know it's a key phrase and it gets thrown around a lot but collaboration over competition yeah for the most part there's obviously you know the occasional you know wrinkle but most of the time I haven't found a VA who doesn't celebrate success of someone else yeah. and want to help if that person is either struggling or has a brief come in that isn't something they can do. It's about making each other look as good as possible. So if you've got a team of people that you can either count on or you already know of, or you just, you know, you've met at a networking either in the room or online or whatever, and you think, actually, do you know what? that's far too techie for me, but I know Jo loves that and she's brilliant at it. Also, yeah. She's available. Yeah. Immediately, I look great because I can say to my, instead of saying no, I can say, yes, of course, I've got this person. It won't be me doing it, but yeah. I will bring them in and I will manage them. You know, I mean, you know, and that's, yeah. and that's how you do it. And it's, it's, it's really lovely to know that it's, you're not alone. It's about bringing the solutions to the client, isn't it, Lucy? It, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be in the same way as when you're employed, where you just said, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. You say, no, I don't do that. However, my colleague can do that for you. So you're still providing the solution. You're still helping your client. You're still delivering. Yeah. But it doesn't have to absolutely be you that takes on that element or piece of work that is not in your skill set or you just think no, no no absolutely well one of i was um approached a couple of years ago by um someone who i used to work with actually at mckinsey and she'd set up her own company an amazing amazing company um helping at the time it was just helping people 
dealing with cancer to it was like a, it's like a um an online shop for um people dealing with life-changing illnesses so you know it's like amazon but it's based around helping people going through chemo or going through the menopause yeah. or going through all these things dementia um and she needed she needed a va and she knew that i'd set myself up we've worked together in the past so like, lucy i'm desperate is there any chance you might be available to help me? I'm like, yes, I would love to work with you. I love what you do. She was always one of the good ones at McKinsey as well. So it was like, you know, I knew that the fit was good. It's like, yeah. So basically I just need someone to do my bookkeeping. Um, oh, it just made me sad. Cause I'm like, I just don't do, but I'm like, yes, absolutely. I, it won't be me, but I'll find someone. And I actually brought in the most brilliant of women, Kathy Soulsby, who I think you might have yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, and she was my associate and did the bookkeeping under under my company name. Yeah. Um, and eventually she called, and it was one of those things I didn't, I spoke to the client maybe once every month, just, is everything okay? Yep, she's amazing, brilliant. And that was it. And I'll be invoicing her. Um, Kathy's in the meantime doing all this massive amounts of work. And eventually we had to have a conversation and Kathy's like, mate, I've either got to take this client off you or I can't do it anymore because, you know, the associate rate isn't going to, it doesn't help, it doesn't work for me. So I was like, absolutely. So I ended up just giving Kathy the client because it made no sense. I was the in between, I was just getting in the way of their relationship. Yeah. But what the client appreciated was that she knew that I was trusted hands. So she knew that whoever I brought in to do that role was going to be trusted hands. Yeah. And because of my... I'd like to say my ability to delegate, basically my ability to just be kind of right. Kathy's amazing. I don't need to worry. She can just run with this client. You know, they were happy to take Kathy on as the actual VA rather than via me. And it worked really well. And that was a perfect example of associate work, associate work that actually works for everyone, not just for the lead VA. So, so yeah, so there's never, I don't think, Unless, I think the only time you should, well, personally, the only time I've ever really felt like I should say no to a client is if I just don't like them. Yeah. You know, because the, the actual role itself, there's always a solution. But if I can't see myself working with that person, no thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and that must happen from time to time because we don't all like everybody. And, you know, it's like there are many VAs out there. There are many IT trainers out there. There are many VA trainers out there. And each person will gravitate to the people that they get on with, spark with, find mm. something in common with. So whereas somebody might love learning Outlook from me, but they might prefer to learn Excel from somebody else. Yeah. So I think, I think you're absolutely right. You can't possibly get on with everybody all the time. No, no absolutely. Human. <laughs> and, that's, and that's also another massive bonus to being self-employed because, yeah. you know, if you don't get on with someone, life's too short. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever had that gut feeling when you talk to a client for the first time and you kind of think you're not sure, should you work with this person? And then you ignore it and then find that your gut was right. Does that, yeah. has that happened? It has, it has happened. And I was, I'll be honest, I was blinded by the dollar signs. <laughs> you know, they took, they, they took whatever hours they could get from me and for a long time it worked really well um but there was always this niggle in the back of my brain that just thought this is you know we both had a um 
we'd met it we knew it we knew of each other we used to work with each other um and we just there was just a niggle mm. and eventually that niggle was right and it's fine because I learned so much from that experience I've and I've become a better business owner because of that experience so it wasn't negative um, at the time, it was incredibly stressful. And I would imagine it was stressful for them as well, because, you know, when when the fit isn't right, but you're relying on someone to take on quite a significant amount of work that, you know, as a business owner, you don't, you know, if, you, if you're a CEO of a company, the last thing you want to do is your own diary, or the last thing you want to do is sort out your own CRM system. But so you kind of grin and bear it going, oh, well, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. It's making it's, I've got a solution, but actually it's not the right solution. So, you know, and it was a stressful situation all around, you know, we were all adult enough to say, let's call time on this and it's all fine. Um, but it was without a doubt the most stressful six months of my life when I realized that this is wrong. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've come out of it. I, genuinely didn't think that I you know when you're in the middle of something you think you know it must be easier to work in Tesco's it must be easier <laughs> yeah. to go and get a job in the local corner shop it can't be this hard why should I be feeling this stress but actually the hardest times in your life I think are the most rewarding when you come out the other side yeah. and it's it's hard to see that when you're in it it is so hard to say we you know we had an extension done a couple of years ago and I spent time crying quite significantly. I even made another, I made a builder cry. It was that bad. The rage inside me was so strong. I actually made a grown man cry. Um, and people said, one day you'll look on, look back on this and laugh. And you think, will I, will I? And actually I'm not yet, but I will. But I also look back at sort of the stressful points of being a VA. And I think every single one of those hard conversations or hard decisions that I've had to make has brought me to this point that I am at now yeah and because of that I'm grateful so as long as you have the network behind you and that I genuinely believe that if it wasn't for the network that I have and the clients that I have I would probably have jacked it all in and said you know what I I fancy going to work in the garden center it must be easier than this um because they they kept me going and they said no keep keep with it you know stare down the barrel don't don't blink you'll get through it and I did get through it but it was (laughs) it was not fun um you know and that's the thing there are always hard times in running a business and it would be it would be um irresponsible of me to not say that there are hard times in business because it means that anyone who goes into VAing thinking it must be easy because you're your own boss that's they're you might they may never come across a difficult situation and that is fabulous but it's when you do come across a difficult situations it's how you get out of it as gracefully as possible and i think finding the network yeah. and the people within that network that you can go i'm having a really bad day please can someone have a skype with me and just talk me through this yeah that, that is so much more powerful than anything else maybe gin <laughs> <laughs> oh i know who you get that from <laughs> but yeah no so no i think i think you're absolutely right i'm part of a community of trainers mm. and um we, you know it's 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 hugely important when you work for yourself to have a support network of people who do the things that you do and understand the challenges that you have yeah. so it, it it's that's incredibly important and um yeah can't stress that enough i'd be lost without my 
community completely yeah. apart from the people that support me and and you know help me do the stuff that I need to get done yeah so, which which are different VAs for different things so mm. which is which is great but Lucy this has been a fascinating interview and I think anybody who is listening in November when this goes out will will really enjoy it and uh, I'm so pleased that you've found the the balance between being a mum and being a being working um in a in a very high powered role because I imagine working at McKinsey must have been incredibly high powered yes um, well I think I, well, I don't know if necessarily high powered it was very high octane yeah lots of lots of responsibility and you know it's it's a it's a busy job but it's it's no different to working in any city job don't get me wrong but okay. I think that McKinsey is seen as a bit of a beast and it was an amazing place to work and the skills that I learned there there's no way I could do what I do now I think without having been there so I am very grateful to it but I'm also very glad that I'm not yeah there. no I, I meant high octane rather than high power yeah. um, I, I did some work for another manager uh, well one of McKinsey's competitors did a big mm -hmm. training roll out for them that was the one where they sent me all over the world business class which was amazing so um yeah so i, yeah. I do get that and and you know the, the people there they would come in the consultants would come into the office in the morning with their wheelie suitcase yeah and go off somewhere and then go from the next place to the next place and i kept well, thinking i can't do that no well that's what someone said how how on earth are you going to be a ba i'm like i am already because all my boss you know all my partners they're all in new york or shanghai yeah. or wherever yeah. You know, I, I, I'm in an office, but I'm basically a VA anyway, because yeah. I never see them because they're all around the world with their wheelie suitcases. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's a really good point to, to finish up that, you know, in this current situation that we are in, in August 2020, where we're, we're in the midst of a um, lockdown coming in, uh, of going into, coming out of at some point in, mm. um, the world of virtual work is really taking off. And it's recognized that it's absolutely possible now to do your job from wherever you happen to be. And I think there's more and more opportunity out there for people that, that can work that way, be self-motivated, able to manage themselves and their clients. Because you do have to manage your clients as well, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> we try. <laughs> some, some easier than others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But thank you, Lucy, for that. It's been a fascinating interview. And um, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It's been absolutely brilliant to be part of such a brilliant um, podcast series. I'm very honored. Thank you. Well, Joe, wasn't that a fantastic chat with Lucy? Yes, she's a, a, a very vibrant um, person and such great tips for managing diary. I'm not quite sure how she manages to juggle all of those, but, you know, as, as we said in the conversation, all of us have our own skills and she's a hugely talented. Yeah, she has the diary management superpower for sure. And uh, I, I loved hearing about her background as well, the fact that she came from um, a consultancy, management consultancy background where she'd been senior EA there and managed other people's diaries and international people there. And also I think one of the things that I took away from it, which we talked about right at the end of the interview, was this fact that as an executive assistant or a PA in a large organization, you're often working remotely already, even if you're sitting in an office. Yeah. Because the people that you're managing their email and diaries for are not necessarily sitting 
on the other side of the door to you. They may be out meeting clients or traveling. So yeah. I think um, I think it's a great thing to realize that we can do this remote work from wherever we are. And uh, I, I loved her um, calendar tip though. What was the what was the website called, Joe? Did you, did you make a note? Oh, yeah, it's worldtimebuddy.com. And I have to say that I have used that when you and I have been trying to schedule our diaries and, and, and looking at the different times, that it, you know, when you're available and I am. Um, it, it's a really, really useful website. Oh, but, um, and I think that Lucy uses it in a, in a more advanced way than I do because she's looking at different time zones and, and mentioned about how she can um use it with dates and and that sort of thing so that was really very interesting yeah we'll we'll pop a, a link to it in the resource section yes of the website, absolutely the page. but it's one that i hadn't heard about i just go to date and time converters i google date and time and find it that way or as i mentioned in the interview i will use two things in outlook itself one is displaying more than one time zone so as I mentioned, you can go to file and options and calendar and then right at the bottom, towards the bottom of the options box, you can display now an extra two calendars. It used to be just one, um, but in the last um, six months or so, they added the ability to add an extra calendar. And if I'm not mistaken, there's a blog on the website that shows you how to do it which I need to check, but um, it might, if there is, we'll, we'll pop a direct link on the page. But I have uh, often set added New York and London to my calendar so that I can see what time it is when I want to call my kids. So uh, that's, that's one thing. It just adds little lines down the left-hand side and you can, you can see where you are. And the other, of course, is to use the time zone function when you're booking a meeting. So when you start a new meeting request, there's a button that looks like the world. It looks like um, a globe. So when you click the globe, you get to set the time zone. And you can pick the time zone, whether it's your time zone or the person you're meeting with's time zone. And that whatever happens, the recipient of that meeting invitation, that meeting invite will go in the correct time zone for the destination that it's being sent to. So if I invite you to a meeting, I can set it at three o'clock Jerusalem time and it will automatically go into your calendar at one o'clock yeah. or I can set it to one o'clock UK time, in which case it will go in my calendar at 3 p.m. Jerusalem time. So it, it, it does that automatically. Wow, that's very that's a very, very nifty piece of kit in Outlook and I didn't realize that, but. I don't do diary management. So uh, these are the functions that I wouldn't use every day, but really, really useful. And I, I, I'm going to make a note of that for next time I'm booking appointments with you, Shelley. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I've got one other top tip really to, 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 to mention today. And that's if you're looking at something that isn't Microsoft 365 to manage your online booking. So uh, many people who book appointments with us. And for example, if you wanted to be a guest on the podcast, we will send you a link to an online booking calendar. And we welcome new guests to the podcast. So do, do let us know that you want to come on. But basically, you would get a link to an online booking calendar. And for this, 
I use Book Like a Boss. And I really, really like that bit of software. I know it's not Microsoft, but I'm allowed, aren't I, to have something that's not Microsoft. Uh, but Book Like a Boss is great. You can set up a landing page on it. You can customize it. It looks, you know, use my own branding, my own colors, add images. I can add testimonials to the landing page, all sorts of things. And you can create different services and different products. So I can have one landing page for discovery calls, another landing page for the podcast, and a third one even for paid products because it will connect to Stripe or PayPal and actually take payment for me if I wanted you to book a training session with me, for example. And at the same time, it connects to Zoom and to Outlook. So it interfaces with Zoom and books the appointment into my Outlook calendar. So if, if you book an appointment with me for some training, I, you can pay for it. It will book you a Zoom appointment so we can conduct the training and it will send a meeting invite to both of us that has the Zoom link in it. So it automates the whole process. And the, the tip here really is to make sure that whichever calendar solution you go for does talk to your Microsoft 365 calendar because otherwise you're manually adding bookings to your calendar and that's not really very efficient. So yeah. which other ones do you know of or have used, Joe? Um, with clients, I've used Acuity, um, I've used Calendly, I've used um, 1028, um, there's another one that I've heard of, but I've not got experience of, which is you can book me. Um, but they're all very, very similar in, in their offering. And the key thing is you can integrate them with your Outlook calendar, um, but you don't want everybody seeing your Outlook calendar. So you send them a link and it, they can then match that you know, their availability to your availability without that backwards and forwards. Uh, and we've all done it. We send an email, let's have a one-to-one -one, uh, or let's have this meeting or that meeting and it goes backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. Save yourself the headache, do the intro, send them the link to whichever tool that you find works best for you and say, book in my diary now. And, and it just streamlines that process tremendously. Yeah. I have one other tip, actually, thinking, listening to you talking about the backwards and forwards. It's something I teach a lot when I'm teaching Outlook. And that is you can reply to an email with a meeting request. So let's say you've had that backwards and forwards and you end up with, yeah, let's have a meeting on Thursday at four o'clock. Instead of me then sending you a, going into my calendar and sending a new meeting request, I can actually, there's a button on the home ribbon that you've probably never noticed before. It looks like a little calendar and it's called reply with meeting. And when you click that button, it sets up a meeting it sets up an email reply which is also a meeting request oh wow it's 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 one of one one of my many favorite things in outlook i have many favorite things just about everything really but um that is reply with meeting is is one of them and the other one of my favorite things is uh is sending a copy of your calendar so you can actually send somebody a copy of your calendar with your availability they can't book from there, but they can see when you're free and you choose yep. how much availability you show them. So that's via inserts. You start a new email 
you go to the insert ribbon and you choose calendar and then you set up you, if you're managing somebody else's you can actually send the other person's and you can set up um very little detail moderate detail or yeah. but usually no detail is enough it just shows shows it shows free and busy times and and that can take a lot of the toing and froing back because i can say hi joe here's a copy of my calendar let me know which date you're free and send me a meeting request and you can actually yeah. reply to me with a meeting request. Yeah, based on what I've seen in your calendar. Yeah. Well, I've yeah. learned something new because I've never done that before. So it's always a learning day, Shelley. Absolutely, always learning. But I think, I think we've waffled on enough and uh, listeners, do let us know what you like about the podcast. We really want to know. We want to talk to people that you find interesting. We're having fun. We'd like to make sure that you have fun too. So to be a guest on the podcast, do get in touch with joe at jlbsupportsolutions.co.uk or shelley at tomorrowsva.com. You can find us via Facebook at, tomorrow, at Virtually Amazing or at Tomorrow's VA, by the way. And also via Tomorrow's VA's website where we have a whole section on the podcast and there's a contact form. So there's plenty of ways to get in touch with us. Let us know what you like. Leave us a rating on iTunes and any of the other podcast hosting systems and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Virtually Amazing, the podcast for virtual assistants with Shelley Fischel and Joe Brianti. We look forward to seeing you or hearing you or you hearing us in the next episode, which is coming very soon.